Hello there, CoveyCast listeners. It's Leslie Jane Seymour, founder of Covey Club, and which is now live. So you can go there and sign up and be part of the whole Covey Club. And CoveyCast is our podcast where we talk about women reinventing themselves at the most important time of their lives, generally 40 plus. There is a second life for you out there, no matter what you're doing with the first part of your life or what's happened with the first part of your life. We are out there to tell you there is a second half and you might be reinventing yourself in a health area because of something that's going on in your personal life, or it might be a business area, or it might be deciding to finally get your body in shape. We're going to go in that direction as well. But the subject of reinvention is everything CubbyCast. And I have a wonderful uh, guest today who is Tracy Chadwell, who is herself a reinventor, uh, a Wall Street person who decided to go off and be an entrepreneur herself. She has this amazing women's, and she invests mostly in women founders. It's called 1843, the number, capital.com. And she has all kinds of resources on her site. And she does this because women return better returns financially. And she has taken this on because it is a world good and it is a good good to do this. Um, And it also makes sense business-wise. So we have her today talking about how to finance or prepare to finance your dream or your reinvention. And we walk through all the different levels of finance and we walk through how you even start preparing to to capitalize um, your concept. Anyway, we're going to welcome Tracy Chadwell. So I want to welcome the wonderful Tracy Chadwell, who is the founder of 1843 Capital, or co-founder, I should say. And she is just a rock star in trying to bring capitalization to women, um, as which, as we know, is just appallingly low. So we'll talk about that. And she is really working at the top level of funding. So welcome, Tracy. And hello, and how are you? Oh, I'm great, Leslie. Thank you so much. And this is really an honor to be speaking with you today because you have been such a strong advocate, not just for women, but women in their business lives and for reinventing themselves going forward. So I'm really grateful to be here. So let's start with, first of all, I'm going to ask you about, you told the other night a great story about where you got 1843 from, which was so fascinating because it's related to a woman. And then I want to talk about your own reinvention. So tell us about 1843 Capital. Where did that number come from? Yes, 1843 is the year that Ada Lovelace wrote the first computer program. Ada Lovelace was Lord Byron's only legitimate daughter. And she was a wonderful girl, but her mother was terrified that she would develop the sort of romantic proclivities that Lord Byron had. So she decided to only school her in math and science at the time, which was very rare for a woman. And and she really fell in love with it and met a man named Charles Babbage, who was developing something called the analytical engine. She then in turn wrote the computer program for that analytical engine. And she 
referred to it as being poetry of numbers, which is a really nice story. Since, wow. since we're a venture capital fund that invests in technology companies with women founders, it, it just was a really nice nod to the fact that we're standing on the shoulders of giants and there are so many incredible women in technology that have come before us. And no one's heard about her. I had never heard about her writing the first computer program. And she, you, you mentioned again the other night at this wonderful event where I saw you speak that it had something to do with using the weaving press of some sort. That's how she came about. Yes, maybe, maybe some people listening might remember a very famous uh, man in France who was making tapestries called Charles Jacquard. So the Jacquard tapestries and prints were in such demand and he had to produce them at such volume so quickly, he had to find a way to do that. And the way that he did that was by programming the looms with punch cards. And uh, Ada Lovelace saw what he was doing with these punch cards and said, not only can we program looms, but I think we can program this analytical engine too, which was really interesting. Wow. Isn't that incredible how it came out of something that women did in their regular life and then it became right. this huge thing that we all use today right. and of course yeah. she was invisible she... never heard about her and um i guess that's what we're doing is right now paying tribute to all those women who got all these incredible things started so let's talk about your reinvention you come out of finance but a different type of finance yes. so can you talk a little bit about yourself and first of all where do you come from where did you grow up <laughs> sure. I grew up in a small town in Illinois called Rockford, Illinois, and uh, went to law school. My dad was a lawyer, and, and you know, you can't be what you can't see. And, and all I saw was the practice of law. So he, he encouraged me to go to law school, which I did, but really I belonged in finance from the start. Uh, but I started to, to sort of look over my shoulder and say, hey, what's going on over here um, in the firm that I was in? And then went to an investment bank called Robertson Stevens, which did all the tech IPOs in the 90s, uh, and then eventually became a partner with a venture capital fund called Baker Capital, which invested in telecom. Um, after that, I did take some time off with my kids. Uh, you know, I, I believe in choices for women and I believe in balance. And I think we all should be free to do what feels right for us at the time. And, and for our family, that was the right choice at the time. But, uh, of course, I failed retirement. And about six years ago, I started making investments in female-founded technology companies um, and saw a, a really interesting opportunity seeing that women only get 2.19% of venture capital dollars. So I, I formed a fund to make investments in, in these companies. And talk a little bit about the reasons why. You're not just out there saying, yeah, yeah, you know, women need investment, so we're just going to, um, you know, go into the ghetto, the pink ghetto here and help them out. There's a, a financial right. reason why you're doing that. You know, there, there, there's a clear clear need for capital for women. You know, I, 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 I have to say, honestly, I don't think that men have 98% of the great ideas out there, but no, that's not, it's not a philanthropy. This is very much based in, in return on capital. And there are a tremendous amount of statistics that show that companies with female leadership, companies with more women on the board have a tendency to outperform other companies. So it's very much grounded in the fact that this is an inefficient market and a place where I can make capital, which, which I've already done. 
And can you run through some of those statistics for the people who have not heard that before? Sure. I think one of the best ones is that um, there's a company called First Round Capital that also does venture capital investing, and they have invested both in male-led and female-led companies. They did a study of their portfolio and found that the women-led companies outperformed the rest of their uh, companies by 63% which is pretty astonishing. And that's a really nice apples to apples comparison. It's not just, we're not just talking about, oh, when a woman's on a board or something like that. That's, that's a, a really dynamic statistic. And do you think that is, is, why do you think that is, Tracy? Do you think that's because there's no comparisons out there and because there's so few women running businesses that only the, the best of the best of the best of the best are running them? And that when we get to parity, well, well, that, that number will come down? Or what do you think? Sure. Well, well, you know, there's a lot of factors going into this, and I'm sure that we've all heard the statistics about women, you know, especially when we're talking about technology companies, you have to have women engineers. And uh, those numbers have unfortunately been dropping women, women taking uh, classes in that field and, and going into that profession. So that that's been a difficult thing. There have always been women uh, building really interesting, great companies. Um, you know, most of your listeners probably aren't aware that Cisco was co-founded by a woman. Um, I did not but, know that. Okay. But there, yeah, but but um, the real growth that we've seen, honestly, has been in the last seven to eight years. This is when, you know, we talk a lot about the confidence gap, right? Um, there's been a lack of confidence of women going out. I think they know that there's the struggle for funding, but they also struggle for the, the network. And just in the last seven to eight years, we've seen a lot of accelerators and incubators popping up. If you want to start a business right now as a woman, there's never been a better there are people willing to help you to learn how to get funding. There's people helping you to structure your business. And there's people willing to support you by getting advisors on your board. Um, and then now we're starting to see more sources of capital as well. Can you talk a little bit about those companies and their names so my uh, listeners can know who to go look for? Who And who do you like? Who, are, who do you find that you know, oh, are oh, reliable in, in, and in terms, useful. In terms of get, going to the accelerators or in terms yeah. of the, Is the there any Are there any places that when you look for backgrounds of people you're going to invest in, do you consider where they've been or who's helped them? Well, well the, the, the very first thing is that they have to have a background in their business. So if they are uh, starting a company in the automotive space, boy, it sure helps if they worked at Ford. If they're starting a business in the pharmaceutical <laughs> okay. space, boy, it sure helps if they worked at Pfizer. Um, I, I think having a background and a network is important. But if you're just starting out and you don't have that background and network and you do have an interesting idea, there's a couple of different places. So the, the very first place to start, and this these are in almost every single state in the United States. So, ladies, there's no excuse. Um, they're these women's business development corporations, and they are there to help you at the very baseline, no matter what kind of business you're starting, get you the sort of legal and financial assistance that you need, even from a baseline idea. They can help you incorporate, help you abide by the state laws, and, and get you on your feet and running. If you have something more along the lines of a technology startup, there's a lot of accelerators um, on the West Coast and on the East Coast. Well, on the West Coast, there's something called Y Combinator. 
Denominator. There's also something called Techstars, which is all over the place. Um, it's in Boston. It's in New York. It's in San Francisco. It's in Boulder, Colorado. They're in Kansas City. Um, these are places that that really sort of give you the foundation, but then they also capital and also um, they have access to advisors that might be able to help drive your company closer to profitability more quickly. Um, They're also in New York City. um, If you're interested in the media, there there is a Hearst Accelerator. If you're doing something in the enterprise software space, there's the SAP Accelerator. Um, UBS now has a group that they are trying to move throughout the country called Project Entrepreneur. So um, all of these things are on my website. If you go to www.1843capital.com, there's a resources page where everybody can just awesome. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. Good. Yes, because those are all the beginning steps that people yeah, need those to are those first steps. understand. And so let's talk a little bit about if there are a lot of women, because we're talking about reinvention, and there are a lot of women out there thinking, okay, I've been with my company 25 years. I'm making a big salary, you know, we're being disrupted by technology. I may have to come up with a second idea. Maybe I should be an entrepreneur. What are the things that they have to think about early on in terms of um, sort of gathering an idea? I go around the country, as you know, talking about why women have to have a reinvention plan in their pocket, no matter You know, women sit around and they go, oh, my company loves me. I've been here 25 years. It's fabulous. And I keep saying, it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with tomorrow your company can be bought or sold. And, you know, everything gets moved to Alabama or Ankara or what. You're just, you're not in control of this anymore. Yeah, or they're downsized suddenly and they're laying off everybody at your level. Or, you know, they've got to cut a big salary and you've got a uh, target on your back because you're a little bit older and you have a bigger salary. So I tell them number one thing they have to do is put aside a year's worth of money, um, a year's worth of their salary if they can. And then what are their next steps if they're going to um, make their sort of their reinvention dream come true and it's going to be a personal enterprise of some sort Um, in terms of funding, what are the sort of baby steps and then where do you jump in? Right. So, so, you know, we, we can't be afraid of change. That's the first thing. And, and change is happening all around us, whether we're on board with it or not. And just, just to give you a really interesting statistic, women are starting businesses at the rate of 1,200 per day. There are 11 million businesses in the United States that are started by women. So you are not alone. If you're starting a business, uh, you, wow. have, you have quite Amazing. a few compa- compatriots every day. So I would encourage uh, any of your listeners to not be uh, afraid. Don't let fear govern you. The second thing is um, it's really important, as they say, to not start a business unless someone is asking you to. Solve and something you that you that? think is a problem. Well, you have to, there, there has, you have to be providing a solution. And, and in my business too, we always say people don't buy cool technologies, they buy solutions. Correct. So you have to find what is a personal pain point and preferably something that you're passionate about. Because if you're not 
passionate about, there's a lot of long nights and a lot of stress and, and a lot of hills you have to climb. So if you don't have that passion behind that pain point, um, it won't, you won't carry through, but find something that is a real problem for you and figure out if there's a way through your personal network or through technology that you could solve that problem. And that is the very best way to start a business. And the first thing that they have to do is they generally look for crowdfunding, correct? That's like baby step one. It, it depends. It depends. Sure. If, if it's a, if it's a services based business, there's no crowdfunding at all. You can sort of hang up oh. your shingle as a consultant right away okay. and, and go out and just start, uh, start looking for opportunities to consult. If you're a consumer products based business though, yes, there are a lot of different, um, websites to do kicks there's kickstarter for one um circle up is one that's particularly focused on women those those can help you start to get some initial funding to to what we call is your minimal viable product your mvp so you you, you want to get a prototype or something like that up and running first right yeah i did i fund women way. that way um i was reluctant to even ask anybody for money and i had luckily i met karen khan who ran it and it's all about women and she convinced right. me to even try and i raised twenty eight thousand dollars. and boy did that help it doesn't sound like much but it was a third of what i put into the business at the time and it really helped it helps with validation as well so you feel like you're not the only idiot out there thinking, sitting at your dining room table saying, is this worth anything? <laughs> Leslie, so, I, I think you're exactly right. I, I think it is that. It's, it's not just the dollar amounts, but it's people saying, you know what, you do have a good idea. You can do this. And, and you're going to get no's along the way. You know, I think right. when you're out there asking either for capital or for customers, you know, I always like to say, hey, if I have a 10% hit ratio, I'm doing really well. That means nine people are saying no to you for every one that says yes. And being able to look at that list and say, look at these people have already supported me. These people already believe in me. It's a great way to keep going. You're exactly right. So then their next steps after that, so say they've raised a little capital like that, they make their minimal viable product, they get something made. Then what is the next step in funding that women are looking for or anybody is looking well, for? That starts to then become a choice. So there, there are several different options for you based on the type of business that you are building because you can build a, a personal enterprise just for yourself where you're the only employee. In that case, you may not want to take any funding. Um, there are more and more debt resources where women can take out loans. Um, I think, you know, the SBA is a good place to start on that. You know, there's, there's also your credit cards, which uh, can be dangerous, of course, because of the really high interest rates. Yeah, high interest um, rates, right. And then, you, yeah, friends, friends and family are also a good place to start if you've done a very simple incorporation. And by the way, now most of the law firms that do technology companies have free legal documents on their websites. I know uh, Cooley, if you go to CooleyGo.com, you can download free um, documents to incorporate. But then also, too, there's notes if you want to issue a note to your family so that you can take a loan from them or you can give them equity in your in your company. Um, and then we get to the little bit more sophisticated levels of funding, which, which is the venture capital space. And Venture capital um, goes to a, an extremely small percentage of companies. And, and what we are looking for when we fund a company 
is something that is going to achieve $100 million in revenues. Because the way our math works is that we have so many companies that we lose, we have to make sure the companies that win do a huge return on capital for us. So that's why it's tougher for us to to invest in more discrete businesses. That doesn't mean those businesses are bad businesses. It just means that they're not right for venture capital. So um, and so you can get awfully far with getting crowdfunding and then friends and family, and then you get to angel funding or seed funding, and you may never sure. get to the to the VC level right. or need it. You can well, have a you know it's great business right. that it, is. Is actually a viable real business, um, but doesn't need VC capital. Correct? No, you're exactly right, and and it's completely against my interests. But I always say, if you can find capital elsewhere, you should take it, because we're really looking for forty percent a year. I mean, that that's that's higher than a than a credit card, but that's that's the kind of returns that we're looking for from companies that we invest in. Of women, which is really extraordinary is that they can do three times as much with the same amount of capital. They're, they're, they're very, very good at allocation of resources. And, and I think that comes from the fact that, A, they don't have access to as much capital, um, and that we don't like asking for capital. So, oh, so we're able to horrible. get to I'm terrible with even that. much I faster. hate the idea of asking anybody for money. It's awful. Sure, sure. And I think that, that you know, part of that stems from when men are 15 years old, they start asking women out on dates. And so they sort of get that muscle memory of, you know, they, they go to one girl and they ask her out and she says no, and then they go to the next one. And so they start to get used to, A, the feeling of rejection, but then right. also, B, they know that if they keep asking that they're going to get a yes. And, and right. we've done the opposite. We've sat back and said, if we're pretty and we're quiet and agreeable, we'll, mm. we'll get asked. And mm. you know what? In business, that doesn't work. You can't sit and wait for funding. It's not going to come to you. You really, at this point, you have to play the game the way the rules are set. And that means knocking on every door two or three times. I always have a three-time rule. If someone oh. doesn't respond to you in three times, well, maybe it's time to back off a little bit. But if you have only asked once, you're doing yourself a real disservice. That's so interesting. I, I don't think that a lot of people think that when someone doesn't respond, that that means go back at them two more times. That's really interesting. Sure. Well, you so know, even me, I, go I, ahead. I get so much inbound and something could be very interesting for me. But if I've gotten 25 other emails in that five minutes that I've looked at one, the one interesting email, it can get lost and I can get distracted and move on to something else. So I, I do love when people will ping me again and say, hey, did you see this? Or hey, I just wanted to, to see if I could get an answer on this. You know, I, I think that's the, a great thing to do because with the second email, you might hit me at a time that's a little more quiet and I can mm. say, hey, yeah, that's right. I'm glad you pinned me. I really want to follow. It really isn't for me, but at least you have your answer then, right? Yeah, interesting. What do you look for? Because you talk about, you do have a whole senior, what do you call it? Silver, silver group that you're funding specifically for yes, older women. Um, can you talk about I, I, that? We have a Sure. We have a, a specific cohort of companies, which uh, I'm incredibly excited about. 
that we look at a place I've called silver tech, which is technology for people over 50. And, you know, we have this really, really dynamic, interesting group of people over 50 that are very fluent in technology, but they also back to that issue of pain points. They have pain points that can be solved with technology. Um, You know, a great example of this is that one of the biggest problems you know, as people start to get a little bit older, is falling. And now there are so many interesting new companies that are coming out with technology to detect people when they fall and then to offer them assistance or to detect when they might be having a cardiac arrest or uh, detect if someone with a slight case of Alzheimer's is, is starting to wander off. And this wow. is all really exciting stuff. And Tell me about that whole older cohort that everybody's ignoring. Why are you so interested? Well, they're, you know, they're ignoring it at their peril. Um, they, you know, I've heard this called the silver tsunami that is coming. This is, it, it's such an interesting time because 70% of the capital in this country is held by people over 50. Couple that with the fact that this is the fastest growing population in the United States. It's at about 16.7%, but in less than 10 years, it's going to be 25% of, uh, of the population in the United States. This is, this is you know, a, a group of people that are interested in still living, interested in having great experiences in life, maybe, maybe dating again, uh, you know, um, but they also have um, health concerns and they're proactive about solving them and they have the resources. So, you know, um, a lot of firms I know are going after millennials, and one of the reasons that they are is because in numbers, the millennial population is very large, but also a lot of the people that get capital to solve these problems are in their 20s. And back to that original point, they don't understand the pain points of people Mm. over 50. I mean, you know, for me, what's a great thing is that a lot of these companies are being started by women because, of course, women are the caregivers for people, and so they understand what's happening in these situations. So how does somebody then find someone like you, Tracy? Are you like listed somewhere that says, you know, I mean, first of all, how does, you know, an entrepreneur sitting out there who has a great idea, do they have to go through different things or do they go to your site and do they, or do they find you and through incubators? How do they approach you? So all of the above, you know, and one of the, one of our hallmarks is is we're breaking the mold on venture capital. A lot of the old established firms have said, even on the website, you know, we really don't take cold introductions, and we only ask that you be introduced by someone we trust because otherwise we won't talk to you. You know, my partner and I think that that's ridiculous. Um, you know, just because you're in a person's network or outside their network doesn't mean you don't have a really great idea. So to to find people like myself or, or, you know, or other uh, venture capital firms, um, I would say that if you have a technology company and you think it's really, really going to grow and and you can achieve, you know, 20 to 50 million in revenue in the next five years, I would Google venture capital funds in that certain space. So like if we talked about if you're in the mobility space, um, venture capital funds that that invest in mobility companies or venture capital funds that invest in consumer products or venture capital funds that invest in enterprise software companies. And you'll come up with a whole list of them. In fact, there's a lot of lists as well um, for women um, who or women venture capitalists who invest in other women as well. And we've done that on our website too. There's on the resources page, there's a list of the venture capital funds that really focus on investing in women. 
And that's 1843, the number, capital.com? Yes. Okay, cool. Yes, exactly. Now, we don't invest at the earliest stage. That's Those are Yeah, talk about that. Because we had that discussion <laughs> at one point. So talk about why right. that is. There, there, there are various levels, you know, even, even within our little discrete industry, you know, there, there's hardly any of us, but there, there's certain segments. So the first stage is called seed capital. And interestingly enough, that into pre-seed, which would be about a $200,000 round seed stage, which is about a 500 to $750 million round. And now Seed extension. <laughs> so seed oh, extension seed is extension. now sort of seven. Okay. Yeah, I know. And part of that is because there's a lot of seed funds around and less funds in the Series A and Series B space. And that's one of the reasons we've chosen to be in that space is because we don't see really a lot of competition. So, but the seed funds are putting together these rounds called seed extension. And those are sort of in the 750 to uh, $1.2 million range. Um, and then you get into Series A which will be, you know, check sizes two to $5 million rounds. B, you know, then you're talking about maybe a 10 or $12 million round. Um, and then you get into the C's and the D's, which is, you know, these are the big rounds we hear about that right. Uber and Airbnb are doing and, and right. large, large investors like SoftBank or Fidelity are, are making those extremely large investments into companies with billion-dollar venture, you know, valuations. So one of the people I'd spoken to before on a podcast, and I actually took her little um, course that she did, is a woman named Julia Pinsler. And she's oh, yes. doing a thing. You know, Julia? Sure. And yeah, that's great. And she's trying to get a million women to a million dollar businesses because women don't try to even get to million dollar businesses. We tend to be very happy making a few hundred thousand and that's kind of it. What's your feeling on that? She feels like women are underselling themselves and that we're not pushing ourselves to the right level to say to stay sustainable in a financial way by accepting all these little mommy poppy businesses. Right. Um, I, I think that is true to a certain extent. Um, you know, I don't know if it's our DNA, you know, we're protective of, of children and our, our nest and things. So then we're protective of our resources as well. But, but we, we, we do as a group, you know, everyone is different. Everybody's an individual, but we do have a tendency to, to not be, take as many risks. Um, which is something that I work on with the founders that we invest in and make sure that they're, their goals are, are outsized and, and that, you know, we can find the ways to achieve them. And I think that if you set a large goal for yourself, you're setting an intention and, and then the ball starts to roll in that direction to meet that goal. So I'd absolutely encourage women to, to take a few more risks. Um, you know, maybe make sure, like you said, make sure you have that year's worth of salary in place. And, and I always like a time limit too to say, okay, Ooh. I'm going to give this a year or I'm going to give this two years or I'm going to give this oh, three years. And okay. then put your head down and you don't worry about it. You said you're going to do it for three years and then do it. Just do it. Do you see any yep. advantages or disadvantages, Tracy, to women 40 plus getting into the entrepreneurial business? You know, it, it's really interesting. The average age of the entrepreneurs out there, the successful ones is 42. 
So it's actually a perfect age. You know, I, I actually prefer a founder, especially a second time founder, which we're starting to see some of those come around now. But uh, it's really important for me that people understand the business that they're getting into and that have a really deep network that they can access, both in terms of funding, but then reaching out to to get customers for their business. So, you know, I'd be hard pressed to to fund someone just out of school. I, I haven't done that. And, and I don't I, I, I would you never say never, but I wow. don't think it happened. My, you know, less than my favorite, my favorite founders in her 40s. Yeah, it's interesting. And it was funny because Karen um, Khan of iFund Women told me that um, what she loves is older women do better at crowdfunding, which was a shock to me, because they have a network and they're not afraid yeah, sure. to ask. Whereas if you're 20 years old, who are you going to ask? <laughs> you know, right. your friends are 20 and they're struggling and they don't, they can give you $20, but they can't give you 100, right? Yeah, it's, it's really true. Um, and the experience, you know, that right. counts for a lot. Right. So in closing, um, as we're going to wrap up our CoveyCast here, which is really our first one talking about financing your reinvention, what it might be, do you have three tips that we can leave our listeners with that they could pick up and use tomorrow that would help them sort of, because they may be at the stage of putting an idea together, they may still be working, and they may be thinking, I got to think about this, but oh my God, it's too frightening to think about what I would do money-wise. And then maybe one that applies to somebody who's already out there and trying to figure out how they're going to capitalize what they're doing. Right. I, I, I think the first one is to make sure that you have your financial house in order. And I know that some of us are so busy. We're so busy with our houses and we're our families and maybe we're caring for an older adult and then we've got work. And so there's so much going on that we sort of forget about our finances. And if you want to start a business, the best way that you can do that is if you can start with a, a small yourself and um, I, um, your money should not be sitting in a certificate of deposit. Uh, it's just financially irresponsible. And I think that a lot of us as women, we forget about that and we forget that we've got to allocate whatever savings we have in, in a very reasonable but effective way, make sure we are participating in the stock market, uh, make sure we, we do have some income-producing assets. So, you know, and you can do that with as little as $10,000. It, it, you know, you don't have to be a millionaire to, to have your money managed well. So I would start there because if you have two or three times, you know, instead of that 10,000, if you've got 30,000, look, you've got just that much more runway to do, to do what you want. Um, the second is to, to start with that pain point. That's really important. Make sure it's a problem that definitely needs to be solved and, and then go to some of your local resources that are in your community that are helping both just, you know, you can just go to a straight uh, corporate development um, that are in cities all across the country, or, you know, but then there are some specifically women's business development um, companies as well. Um, but, you know, have, have courage and, and persistence and stick-to-itiveness because, you know, I've heard, especially too, for the women that are that are already ongoing in their businesses. Um, the reason, you know, founders don't die because of starvation. Sometimes they start they start from overfeeding, from having too much capital. But also, too, you know, people give up too soon. And oh, um, you know, I, pe- yeah, people always tell me uh, or that they don't. Well, where do I find a mentor, Tracy? I live in a small town. I don't have a mentor. 
I grew up in a small town. And you know who my mentors were? They were books. They were autobiographies of people that had succeeded that I really respected. And, you know, in my head every day, I hear Winston Churchill's voice, who I count as one of my mentors. And he said that success is defined by the number of times you are willing to fail. So if you're willing to fail and pick yourself up and willing to fail and pick yourself up, you will eventually achieve your goals. Wow, that's great. All right, I'm going to make you send me two or three of the best books that aspiring entrepreneurs should read after this and then we'll post oh, I'd those be as happy well. to and what is your and what and if you're already up and rolling what is your your you know tip for those people to get to that next level or get to that big frightening level of actually pitching for capital at your level um, the most important thing is to grow your revenues it's really all about revenue growth, whether, whether it's a dollar amount or, it, you know, if you're in the social media space, it's about daily active users growing those. Um, but you have to also realize that everyone out there, it's a very competitive, competitive space, and you have to be willing to do just about anything to get that revenue growth. Um, you know, I'm not suggesting anything untoward, but um, <laughs> okay. there are, right. you know, there are guerrilla tactics out there that people are using and you have to be creative and you have to get out there. Nothing's going to happen if, if you're home in front of your computer. Yeah. You have to get out there and make connections and all that. Right. Well, Tracy and customers. gosh, thank you. Go ahead. And customers too. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I used to say that when I was editing magazines and I would see my editors sitting in every day at lunch doing copy. And right. it was great. I, lo- I love needing, I needed them to do copy. But I said, you know what? No future part of this magazine is going to happen if you're sitting at your desk at lunch every day. You need to get out there and meet everybody and anybody who might have an idea <laughs> or a, an right. article you're or a thought or a, you know, a promotion right. or something like that. And yeah, I think and, we all Tom, tend to sit at our desk. Yeah. Thomas Edison said, ideas without execution are illusion. And I really believe that. Don't think someone's going to steal your idea. It's all about execution. So you want to talk to as many people as you can about it. Yeah, that's another thing that I've heard that women tend to do, too. They're afraid, so they hide their idea. They don't want to put it out there. And then I've heard every single person say that you need the input. Put it out there, and you will succeed. He tries to grab it. They can't grab it the way you grabbed it. No. And it's, it's surprising how many people will say, oh, I know who you should meet. You should meet XYZ because they're interested in this and could help you. So That's right. And that is what the most yeah. amazing thing has been for me is the enormous number of people, including you, who have come when I've just met them and they say, oh, the first thing out of their mouth is, how can I help you? It's such a shock after coming yeah. out of corporate life where no one offered to help You're me exactly at all. Right. You're exactly right. Go ahead. Exactly right. So, Tracy, I want to say thank you for spending the time with us. You really gave us a great primer on how to get started if you're going to have your business and you're going to be an entrepreneur. And I hope everybody will go to 1843capital.com and you can find all that information that Tracy is talking about, which is great. I didn't even know all of that was there and accessible. And then you can also reach out to her when you have that huge hundred million dollar company and yes, she can absolutely. be first on your list. Awesome. Tracy, thanks for spending the time today. Oh, Leslie, thank you so much.
I just want to thank Tracy for being here on our CubbyCast podcast. And I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen to us. I hope that this was helpful for you. You can look in the show notes for the um, the topics and the specific websites and even Tracy's books. We're making her give us those links to those fantastic books that inspire her and give her all those great quotes, including Winston Churchill about how to hang in there um, so that you will have all the information you need to learn how to make your dream come true and make your reinvention come true. If you like the CubbyCast podcast, I hope that you will take a moment to give us a comment and to give us some stars because the more we get of that, the more other women can find out about these podcasts that I hope will help them build their dream into something that's a reality. I hope you will also join us at CubbyClub.com. The site is now launched. There's all kinds of ways to join and be part of this amazing group of women like Tracy who want to help other women be their best and live and learn and connect. And I hope that you'll join us on our Facebook page and on our Twitter site. So that would be fantastic. And I look forward to speaking with all of you and seeing all of you in our next cast. Thank you. And we will see you next time.